struggling to remember how I was planning on introducing this episode, welcome to Hand of Pod. That was it because we've got the Super Classico coming up, and nice. we've also got like three days consecutively of the heaviest thunder in the world uh, forecast oh, really? for tomorrow, uh, Thursday, and Friday. Oh, it is Tuesday evening as I speak. Um, I'm Sam Kelly, and being Tuesday evening, that means it's Hand of Pod recording time. And we're joined, as you've just heard in the background, by uh, the very lovely uh, English Dan. Oh, thank you, Sam. Good evening, everyone. Nice to see you again, Dan. Uh, and the equally lovely Joel Richards. <laughs> thank you very much. Lovely to be here, as always. Who's and nice to have you here. Oh, uh, thank uh, you. It's yeah. lovely to be here. Shay Richards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Lovely to be here. I'm getting very comfortable. Yeah, uh, we yeah. recorded last week's episode in Joel's house. We're recording this week's episode in Joel's house. And that's not the only reason uh, that, that this week is an historic episode of Hand of Pod. Uh, it also is because for the first time in 102 episodes, um, we have a running order this week. <laughs> We've become very aware, uh, long-suffering listeners, that the last four or five episodes have been far, far too long, uh, even for most of your commutes, unless you've recently moved to, I don't know, what's a very big city, an awful transport network. <laughs> but well, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I could have just about listened to the whole podcast with my trip here to Giles House. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> perhaps an hour and 50 minutes-ish is... is Okay, as an exception if it's the hundredth episode, but last week's hour and forty was taking the piss a bit when it wasn't anything particularly special, and we apologise. No, considering nothing really happened last week. No, <laughs> it was pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah, we, we can bore the hind legs off a donkey if nothing else with, with this. Um, but anyway, as a result, we have a, a running order this week, and I've already partly negated that fact by going on about it for five minutes. So without further ado. Uh, we're going to whip through the results and then we will talk about just a few games in depth rather than 10 minutes on each match. We had a 1 1 draw between San Lorenzo and Godoy Cruz at the start. We had Colón beating Arsenal de Sarandí 1 0. Um, we had, which else are we not going to talk about? We'll get on to them in a bit. We San had. San Martín Unión, surely not. Uh, relegation battle, but yeah, San Martín beat Unión 3 1. We'll be going into the full ramifications of that when we talk about Independiente a little later. Uh, Quilmes got another late goal against River Plate. They're making a habit of this in the last few years uh, to get a 1 1 draw in the Monumental. And on Monday, we had Belgrano losing 1 0 at home to All Boys and Lanús, uh, who we'll get onto a little later in more detail, drawing 1 1 with Rafaela. But the first game that we're going to talk about um, properly, as it were, is Estudiantes 1 um, 0 victory, their first win of 2013. You can guess who it came against already if you're a regular Hand of Pod listener. Uh, they're making a habit of it now, aren't they? They lost to Union. Yeah. They lost to San Martin 6 1 uh, three weeks ago. I don't know whether I've mentioned that enough times already on Hand of Pod. Um, and now Boca Juniors have lost 1 0 to Estudiantes de la Plata in the match that was supposed to be preparation for tomorrow's Copa Libertadores first leg against Corinthians. Well, if it was, it's pretty shit preparation. That it is, isn't it? Although they didn't lose as much as they have done in recent weeks. I guess they can take something from it. But it's quite significant as well because this means Boca have equaled their worst ever run. It's I thought they had another game to go so. No, it's, it's level, I heard it it's was level it, with 57, yeah. 9, wow. 57, 10 yeah. games without, 10 games without, without a win. win. 
Wow. Yeah. Still pretty long. What's that? Six draws and four defeats, I believe. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. I, believe so. I mean, they are, they're all trying to make out that this isn't a massive deal, which really it isn't. But, I mean, because it's Bianchi, you know, there's yeah, a lot of leeway. But, I mean, they were playing... I didn't see all of the game, but playing a little bit better, a little bit unlucky yeah. here and there with the I heard chance. that they were a bit unfortunate. With but them. they are in this losing and drawing yeah. dynamic, and they can't get out of it. Yeah. And, I mean, as you said, they've And they've been doing that as well for... You know, it's been a few times that we've said Boca had the majority of possession. I think they've had the majority of possession in all but one or two of their league games this mm. year. Um, not, you know, playing in, certainly in the middle third of the pitch, not playing particularly poorly, but wasting the chances that they get or not creating enough and yeah. giving away. Well, also, also this this would if were it not for a freak, brilliant goal by Guillermo Burdizo it would have been they wouldn't have won the first match of the season ah, against, yeah. against uh, Kilmes the and, and, exactly there yeah. would have been 11 games so I mean um, as I said I mean, I mean obviously the, the, the 6-1 was a bit of a, a watershed wasn't yeah. it they've been a bit tighter since then and what have you but, um, but still I mean the Stuyantes were were there for the taking really and um, yeah not, not the preparation for Corinthians River Corinthians Exactly, yeah. I mean, they've got two weeks now. Yeah. It's Corinthians River San Lorenzo Corinthians. I think they're two, gap, two weeks in between even, the legs. Well, yeah, even worse. bigger. Yeah, yeah. another classic. Everyone, you know, everyone who's ever watched Argentine football knows that San Lorenzo is the only. Yep. Yeah, only. It's not English. The only. <laughs> the only. <laughs> yeah, the only grande that has a winning record over Boca, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah I forgot about that. Yeah, so they are the daddies. So this is kind of, yeah, it's the biggest. It's the only really four games of the season that are going to matter for Boca now. And if these two weeks don't go well, if they can't, you know, come out positively, then say it, say it. Then Bianchi out. <laughs> no, then he's gonna have to. I think they're gonna really have to think about where they go from here. I'm not gonna say that they're gonna fire him. But well, he's he started, hasn't he? He started. Um, everyone's saying that from the very beginning that he's basically gonna try and get through this uh, six, this these six months, and and then um, have a bit of a clear out the uh, the squad at the end of the at the end of the season and, and build his team for next season uh, he has started a little bit this week there's a big uh, scandal because he left out um, Chiqui, oh, Perez Chiqui Perez for being two kilos overweight then I heard today that they called him back and Chiqui Perez refused to turn up to training I, li- I like there's really? been another twist I like Chiqui Perez's quote with that he said they've been saying I'm overweight but when I try on the size large shirt the size extra large Boca shirt it, it doesn't fit <laughs> yeah. oh, it's really scientific. It's not really helping things out, then. Yeah. Um, so now this is yeah, this has come out a completely different way. Now Bianchi looks ridiculous for having cut him and then pleading for him to come back. Chiqui Perez looks ridiculous for being overweight and now a kind of a little petulant girl for, well, for well, saying I'm not coming back because he called me fat. And and also though, and and the bottom of all this is that we're talking about Bianchi having to re- revamp the squad and everything. Well, Chiqui Perez was Bianchi's signing. Yeah. He was one of the, the only three players that you could bring in. So um, that didn't go particularly well either, did it? No, awfully. <laughs> I mean, so far, it's not. If we're talking about preparation still, like, now he's a central offender down. Yeah. Going to Corinthians, who, of course, you know, arguably the best team in South America. Yeah. Technically the best team in the world. Indeed. Indeed. So, yeah, they're going to really strike on see him coming out of that with a win no and there's been more news uh, regarding that today uh, the good news the undoubtedly uh, good news for Boca is that Matias Caruso is out for tomorrow night um, <laughs> gonna, well if they got Caruso out Perez out what? 
Well, it means they're not going to give away quite so many penalties. Um, they're playing Magashan, this kid who played against um, Estudiantes at the weekend, instead uh, in Caruso's place. Uh, but also, of course, Juan Román Riquelme isn't going to make it, which we already knew like two weeks ago, but the Argentine press only seems to have noticed today. Um, because well, they, need him, they needed him to say it. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's got this tear in his, uh, very minor tear in his right adductor, I think it is, or hamstring, can't remember which. Um, he was expected to play. They were hanging on to the last minute for him, and today they've said, no, he's not going to make it, which, of course, just makes it even worse, doesn't it? Or does it, really? Mm. Any difference at all? No difference, given that... Well, of course it does. I mean... Yeah, you can it's, argue, it's you can argue, a factor, basically. Yeah, when you can argue he hasn't, he hasn't been swinging it anyway or, or hadn't produced before the, uh, before, yeah. the, uh, before the injury in the first place. But, but I mean, he can. But we all know he can. Exactly. And then the big and days he turns up more than often. And especially given the situation, you think more than ever is when you need him just for that second of, of brilliance and just to open up a game and, and all of a sudden it's all sun and, sun and light once again down in Bombonera. Absolutely. Uh, do we have anything to say about Estudiantes? <laughs> oh, they finally won a game. Like I think it was due to come. From what I heard of the game, it wasn't particularly for their own merits. Like they were pretty, pretty kind of fortunate to win. Boca mm. had their lion's share of the game, but no, it's, it's three points, and that's what they need. They need to pick up a few points now between now and the end of the season to make sure they're not involved in a relegation fight next year. So, no, I don't think they're going to do anything spectacular for the end of the year, but they're going to pick up. A few points here and there. One I thing I did want to mention was that Estudiantes have this young goalkeeper, Jeronimo, Jeronimo Rulli, it's R-U-L-L-I, but given Argentine's pronunciations of L's when they're in names, I'm assuming it's Rulli, and I was reading uh, the other day that he's, I think, uh, the game against Boca on Saturday was his third first team appearance, and he's yet to concede a goal in Estudiantes' goal. Um, I can't remember which other games he, he didn't play well one of them can't have been the ten, if, if that's a correct stat because he uh, they lost 1-0 to Kilmes the previous week and that was with as we now wait for the page to load it's going to say Rudy it's going to say Rudy isn't it it should say Silva I hope no it says Rudy so he's conceded one in three games or something in, um, which, which isn't bad at all um, so well done him uh, I was going to say for, for Pellegrino's interesting to see how it all pans out really I didn't see the game so I can't really comment on um, on how they performed but, I, I but saw for, it but didn't uh, I, I can't remember much of it it was right at the start so you, you weren't bowled uh, over by how uh, the fluid football I remember thinking that they were in a huge improvement on what they've been yeah. pre-Pellegrino but obviously that's not saying very much <laughs> no it's not but, but for Pellegrino it's, it's, it's interesting he was he was touted for the job before Canya got it and he went to Valencia and he was kicked out of Valencia despite really overachieving there because he, he took them further than they were expecting in the Champions League which meant I mean 2 million euro extra for a bankrupt club in, in Spain yeah. which isn't bad at all so um, there were feelings that I mean he had poor run very poor run in the league but nonetheless um be interesting to see where how he pans out. Everyone has very high hopes for him as a coach. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think we all agree it'd be good to see him do well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, moving on from uh, from Boca and also from Mr. Diantes, uh, we had uh, down in the relegation battle later on at the week, in the weekend, uh, the next little stage, we had San Martín versus Unión, with San Martín winning 3-1, really coming into it very late in the second half. It was 1-0 to Unión until with about 15 minutes to play. Um, San Martin rallied and got three goals to momentarily go above Independiente this is why I said we were going to mention San Martin very briefly um, that dropped Independiente to second bottom in the promedio uh, the points average standings Independiente of course hadn't won in 
eight matches since the round three uh, 2-0 oh, Classico win over the Racing. Just reminding you there, Dan, in case you've forgotten. I don't care, they're um, going to the B, though. And they were, they were hosting Argentinos Juniors, who've scored four goals in their 11 matches now, this, this year. Wow. Um, thrilling stuff, especially under Caruso Lombardi. They've, they just get better and better to watch every week. Um, and Independiente, amazingly, um, won the game. Who saw this? Anybody? Yeah, I, I watched quite a bit of it. Um, and I, 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 so I tweeted something in respect. Um, I mean, they, they independently do have players in the first team who cannot pass the ball five metres. Yeah, um, quite a few. And, and I mean, I'm talk, we're talking sort of centre-back just inside his own half, getting a, a ball in the air and going for a first-time volleyed, just wedged pass to someone and going out for a throw-in. And, <laughs> I mean, this is... Just, yeah, no, no, exactly. And, you know, it was, it was pretty poor, but... Credit to them, they they did put it out. And the thing is, I was kind of making a just a snide point about how Wevel and you know just putting your, yeah. putting everything into it isn't enough in these situations. But actually, independent kind of did because be, yeah. because they haven't really yeah, got that many players who can you kind of look at and think yeah, yeah. they can really turn it on. I hope that Caicedo had probably is one of his best games since kind of. <laughs> he, no, he did. He didn't look too bad. Yeah, on, I mean he. Well, they have given him an eight. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. no, yeah, I don't think eight's fair. But um, he, uh, I mean, he did. It was technically it was an assist, uh, I guess, for um, for the third. Although yeah. really, just because he stumbled over it and miscontrolled. But um, <laughs> no, no, he, he, he caused a, nu- a nuisance to himself. I mean, yeah. he, you know, he didn't come. He came reasonably close, I think, once with a shot that just went wide. But, yeah. but I mean, wasn't wasn't outstanding. But I mean, well, I think but, that's one thing you can say about Caicedo from what I've seen, like. He is a pain in the ass for any defence. He mm. moves well. He gets himself, you know, he irritates defenders. He runs with the last man. He gets into the right positions, but he's just got the finishing skills of a wooden-legged horse. I'd say. Yeah, he, um, yeah, he, he didn't. He definitely wasn't an eight out of ten. But um, seemingly also has the same bat to front knees as a horse. Uh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there was the comedy element about about the whole thing. I mean, do you, you see the the first goal came from Montenegro just slipping over mm. and completely miskicking the the corner corner kick, going straight to, to Argentinos defender whose name uh, I can't, don't remember. And then they gave the ball away, and, uh, and that that led to the first first goal. So just I mean, all, all in all, very untidy yeah. really. But um, but um, clear cut penalty for the second. I mean, Garcia was yeah. just ridiculous. I mean, just what is he? I mean, it's you know you have to drop someone who does that kind of stuff. I mean, it was just a He's, uh, he's been to a World Cup, you know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, he's clearly using that experience yeah. uh, to great effect. Um, it's a very clear penalty which Montenegro converted, and and a good little good third goal actually, but nicely taken um, by Fernandez. Yeah, I Fernandez. Um, so, I mean, really important. But I, I have is, to say as well, in, in credit to them, Ronaldo Denis goal for, uh, for Argentinos was very very nice. Yeah. The only yeah. the only good thing they did in the entire match. But oh, it's, it's a, that really was a goal last time. That was finished. Br- I mean, just the technique because just how hard he hit it was, yeah. was up and down over the goalkeeper. Yeah. Dip it gave him to the, into the um, far corner. But none of this really changes anything because Independiente is still so far off. Yeah. And this thing afterwards, everyone's really, like, oh really yeah, bad. we won. You know, yeah, really three point. Yeah. So, guys, you're still. Yes. Yeah, I mean, late, of course, you need the, you need to win to to be yeah. in with a chance of it. But I mean, it is it needs it really needs to be a miracle. I mean, yeah, we're not going to Yeah, 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 really yeah completely. Um, 
Union, of course, we, we already mentioned the San Martín beat Union to go ahead of Independiente. That means, conversely, that Union lost to San Martín. And on Monday, um, Union Stadium was covered in graffiti with death threats and stuff at the players saying, oh, we're going down to the B. I mentioned this on Twitter yesterday. Santiago, our, our guest last week, sent me a tweet saying, I don't think maths is their strong point if they've only just noticed. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, well, I think that well, was... No, this was a game that, you know, if they were going to have any, any chance of getting out of there, they had to win. Now I think people recognise that, you know, there's no hope left. They staged like a mini comeback this year with uh, Sava. Mm. Yeah, but still but now it's just though. too late. No, it wasn't going to happen, but now it's really not going to happen. Well, one, one thing I, I did say yesterday on Twitter, again, um, was that I couldn't quite see where all this anger was coming from because you look at Union and you think, well, I mean, this, without meaning to disrespect them, with Independiente, you can kind of see, yeah, you know, this is a historically humiliating thing to happen for the club. River, two years ago, mm. same thing. Union going down to the B isn't quite on the same level of you know earth-shatteringness and you would expect the fans to obviously be upset but maybe to be reconciled to it to an extent as well to perhaps a greater extent um thing is whenever through... any team goes down to the b like there's gonna there's people inside the clubs that are going to be losing a lot no, of money absolutely. It comes down to I that, but but further to that because I, i'm guessing that a fair few of our listeners will be thinking along the same lines um i was looking through on uh, wikipedia on a few of the kind of all-time standings tables and stuff in the argentine league for something completely different i can't remember what, uh, i think for the top scorers in the, the argentine national team or something um and stumbled across that in the all-time professional era, sorry, table for standings for the national um, first division, Union are twentieth. Yeah. So they're, you know, yeah. they're, they're big enough, and they've spent long enough in the Primera that they are actually, you know, I, I guess if you're going to make an all-time top twenty Primera, sure. they would, they would in fact be in it, even if they'd be bottom of it. Um, so yeah, there you go. Um, uh, further to that, after Independiente versus Argentinos, we had an absolute cracker um, in Rosario which I know that English Dan wants to tell us all about. Seven goals shared between Newells and Racing. Uh, how much of it did you see, Dan? I only watched Vieto's goals. <laughs> <laughs> so in your head, Racing won 3-0? Essentially, yeah. I can say that. I, no, 3-1 because I saw one of the one of the Newells goals, the last okay. one. Oh, yeah. No, actually it was... Yeah, 3-2. There we go. Okay. 3-2 to Racing. Brilliant hat-trick by Luciano Vieto. Um... Uh, next, um, next Javier Saviola, as he's now being called, and then uh, who was it? Maxi Rodriguez, and who scored the the first news goal? Uh, the first one was Milton Casco. No, but the first one that I would have seen. Uh, let's see, Coco, uh, uh, Pablo Perez, Pablo Perez, yeah, yeah. There we go. So a good three points. There we go. <laughs> I don't know how long I can carry this on, but I'll try. Uh, unfortunately for Dan, in real life, Luciano Vieto is probably the most unlucky man of the Argentine Primera in the last weekend. Um, he did, as Dan says, score a hat trick. Dan wasn't imagining that. But unfortunately for Dan, um, fortunately for Newell's fans, uh, Newell's actually won 4 3, yeah. which I think really shows Newell's during the Inicial were very tight at the back and were struggling to win yeah. by more than one goal most of the time they created lots yeah. of chances didn't similar they? to uh, Racing actually yeah like, Racing yeah, didn't much. score many and, and haven't conceded many either yeah um, whereas uh, and I remember Joel several times uh, particularly defending them uh, on hand of pod sort of six months ago and saying that they attack with a lot of men they're really yeah. trying to even if it's not it's going right for them yeah, and suddenly it's working you can see the team's just gelled that extra little bit as they showed here perfectly they, they okay the defence isn't quite what it was last season to put it mildly uh, last, second half of last year sorry um, but when they do concede three goals to a fine young striker in absolutely brilliant mm-hmm. form they're able to hit that by scoring four uh, Maxi Rodriguez 
um, scored the winner a minute into stoppage time. Really well taken. Really nicely yeah, taken. Mm. Um, and, and that is the kind of difference, just that, that touch of quality, just a bit more, a bit of experience. I mean, you'd expect a lot of people to, to take it, but it was just very nicely yeah. placed in the far corner when there was so much riding on it. I mean, it kind of shows when the, stuff. Yeah. shows the difference as well, because just before that goal, um, Javier Camporaf uh, Racing had... I don't know if you call it a similar chance, but it was probably similar in terms yeah. of, you know, yeah. how you could take it. And, you know, this is Campare finished top scorer in the club sort of 2011, I believe, with Huracan. Yeah. yeah. And he's a player we've got with kind of pedigree for scoring locally. But, you know, you can see well, the difference in quality. I was almost expecting club sort of 1992 yeah. or something. You know how old he is? No, 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 no. No, he's only, what, 27, 28? Is he? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's not. And then, yeah, so he kind of had the ball on the right, and you know, one on one, the the obvious shot was to just drive it low and see what happens. But he just tried some sort of hybrid chip, really delicate thing. It looked like it was passing back to to the keeper, and just yeah. From there, Rodriguez came in and just punished. But it was punished but from from the very start. It was it was all go. Both teams looking to really yeah. attack, um, and there were two sendings off, one oh, each nice. on each side. So I mean, and both teams then played for quite a long time with ten men. So I mean, mm. that opened it up quite a bit as well, didn't it? But I mean, um, just it was great, and and it was funny. You know, people sort of moaning about oh, just because there are loads of goals doesn't make it a good game. This was a great game. Yeah. There were loads of chances, really open football. Both teams going for it, and and not just you know one or two players. Performing well, I mean, um, to, um, Tonso's run steam past three players to win the penalty that Scott scored and converted. Um, you know, I mean, you can just see that Newell's in particular are playing just with great confidence, yeah. and and they're, they're given license by by Martino to yeah. to go forward. It's just the more you watch, the more I watch them, the more I think just what a shame is Martino's going to be yeah. leaving us in, in June. But can he leave with a with a title? That's the question now because they've got a healthy Thank little you. lead. Yeah. Certainly, at least one. they're on for the double. In my in my preview for Newell's next match this weekend for Hong Kong Jockey Club, I, I refer to Newell's as a machine um, because in the league now their their record in the last eight games is one seven lost one, nice. and that that loss comes right in the middle. So they went on a run of I think it was four straight win, and then they they lose one, and after that you're thinking right, how do they react in the next match? And then go on another. Three matches and counting uh, of straight wins in the yeah, league. Yeah, um, and this is this is something this this style of play and just this uh, exciting football. I don't think we've seen since Ulakan under Kappa. It's not, even, it, it's not the it's same. It's not even so much the fact it's that it's same, exciting. It's I'm not saying it's not exciting. I mean, it's not the fact that it's exciting is almost secondary to the fact that it's just it's cohesive and it's refreshing. Yeah. It's different and it's not. You don't put on a Newell's game and think. After five minutes, like, oh god, this is rubbish. Or, or just the fact they've got no idea; they don't know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. There's a clear system. There's a clear style of football that they're they're doing. And seriously, I don't think there's been anyone since certainly since Kappa's or the Can in mm-hmm. 2008 um, that have played as as mm-hmm. co- cohesively as, as you mentioned. Sam. You could have made a case maybe in early in the season for Lanús, but they just seem yeah, to be so yeah. not incoherent but kind of inconsistent. But this is the year now. The Newells have been yeah. doing this. I mean, this yeah. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Um, and we'll mention, obviously, I know in a while, but in, in terms of having a clear idea of play, this was one of the reasons that, and Dan's already uh, hinted at this, uh, at Newell's results in midweek last week. Was it on Wednesday or Thursday? Wednesday, Wednesday wasn't it? Yeah. It was after we recorded. Yeah, it was the same night as the, the two Car Park and Athena games that we're also not, we haven't forgotten and we'll right. get on to. Um, which was Newell's against Dennis, part two of the three part, possibly even four part. Epic that we'll have this season because if Newell's, of course, win the final, they'll be playing Velas for the <laughs> Super Championship uh, <laughs> in commas at the end of cool. the season. Um, 
And obviously the, the previous week, as we mentioned on last week's underpod, uh, Newell's had beaten Vélez black and blue, well, beaten Vélez's reserves black and blue, uh, 3-1 winning Linares. Uh, first leg of the Copa Libertadores knockout stage was Vélez's chance to get revenge, and with the starters, they got a 1-0 win. Really nicely taken goal from... Agustin Alione. Thank you, because I forgot who it was, just as I was saying that. Um, from Alione. Great move. And that was another really good game. That was one yeah, of was was yeah, your was critics. Well, I only watched the second half. You don't need lots of goals to have a good game. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. But um, So the, the second leg is on the, I think, the 15th, so it's in uh, two weeks' time. Two weeks tomorrow. Uh, two weeks on Wednesday, and finally balanced. I wouldn't put it past either of them. No, definitely. No, it'd be really great fun. We're really looking forward to it. I think the winners of that tie are playing Atletico Mineiro or San Paulo. Oof. So basically, the winners of that tie are playing Atletico Mineiro. Yeah. Wow. Ronaldinho against Ignacio Coco. Battle of the Just imagine that. Imagine that matchup. Um, but yeah, do we have anything further to add on the, on Newell's Bellas and the Libertadores? Or? No. Um, big loss that um, Vichalba's um, injured. Mm. Massive loss for them. Very much sort of... Um, it reminds me a lot of... Maybe, maybe it's the, the haircut more than anything, but Caminero, uh, Atletico Madrid, going back a while now. But um, but just very stylish sort of... Not quite number five, a little bit, little bit further forward, but um, but he's been really important for them this year, and um, he's been excellent, just very much the hub in the middle of, of midfield. Um, and he's, I think he's out for a month, so that, that's going to be a problem for them. Yeah. But you know, we'll see, we'll mm. see. Indeed. Um, in terms of the title race, that win for Newell's against Racing on uh, Sunday, wasn't it? I think Sunday, yeah. Sunday afternoon, uh, took Newell's top of the league. Three points ahead of Lanús, pending Lanús's later result. Five points ahead of River, pending River's later result. And as we've already mentioned, of course, River uh, were held 1-1 by Quilmes. Martín Cauteruccio, I wanted to say Milton Carrasco, then they've got the same initials, um, got a very late equaliser for Quilmes. And as I say, Quilmes have developed a habit of doing this against River Plate especially. And Cauteruccio has developed a habit of it in the last few weeks in the, in the league as well. He got the winner against... He's a, a quality player, that. Um, Whoever really it was, they the weekend before. <laughs> he is a, he's a very good player. Um, Rogelio Funes Mori got most of the fans eye after, after that game. We're not going to talk about this one for too long. Um, but just very briefly, took it around the goalkeeper. Uh, the finish, in fairness to him, I thought, he narrowed the angle for himself after taking it around the keeper. And there was a guy on the line, just, just inside the post. Um, it Jones wasn't as easy a finish as a lot of people are making out. Disgusting. But, They're trying to defend Funes Mori. But... No, 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 not at all. Because, and I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna um, go back on what I've always said. I've, I've, I've totally um, thought that Funes Mori could be a top striker. Well, Santiago um, said, I think, possibly off air uh, last weekend, last week, sorry, um, that he's always been of the opinion with Funes Mori that once he leaves River, he's going to turn yeah, into a great goal scorer. Yeah, exactly. Suddenly the pressure yeah. just won't be the same, even if he goes to Real Madrid. Yeah, and um, Francesco was has been out uh, this week doing giving a few interviews. And he said something very interesting about um, just about the technique. And he said, um, first of all, that for that for this particular uh, miss, he didn't get his body around the ball mm. enough. So he just he right. was just so it was difficult to, to hook it back almost. And he said that very generally speaking, Funes Mori needs to take a split second longer to finish. He just needs to think of it. Like. Exactly, exactly. I mean, and this is the thing. And, and I just get the impression he knows he he knows that he goes out. I mean, anything that he does that isn't sublime perfection yeah. gets get, he gets booed out by fifty thousand people. Fair, he was the kid's, the kid's been there for like he three was years. A long way from perfection. <laughs> no, no, no. But what, no, but if he doesn't do yeah. that, I mean, yeah. if he doesn't do something which is just fantastic and sensational, yeah. 
he gets booed. He can yeah. be all right, and he gets booed. So I mean, totally agree with Santi. I think if he uh, yeah. needs to leave, I he, think he does need to leave. Yeah. River missed the boat in, in not getting a decent yeah, amount of money for him. They're not going for like three or four million dollars, I reckon. Much? And uh, yeah, 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 yeah. and and then it'll be it'll do well. It'll do well. I'd agree. Um, one kid who, who continues to do well. He's only got four matches left in River's first team this season. He's pretty much nailed on, I think, for the Super Classic on this weekend, at least, is Edar, Eder Alvarez Balanta, this Colombian who we've mentioned four weeks running now on hand of because he just keeps on being one of the best players on the pitch. So he must have played four games then? He has, yeah. yeah. And he's got, he's got four left this I season. thought it was seven that they had. Apparently eight. Uh, oh. Ole had a big, long article insisting that he's got four left. Um, and you know, you know, Lovely. Ole wouldn't run a story Lovely. without being yeah. 100% certain <laughs> that he was yeah. correct, would they? Um, <laughs> We should mention as well that whilst Joel was talking about Funes Mori, uh, Tigres Copa Libertadores first leg against Olympia has kicked off. We'll keep you up to date with that if there are any goals whilst we record. But Alvarez Balanta, anything to add at all? Oh, it's just beautiful. We've said that in the last three weeks. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yes, this one definitely true. was not scored with his cock. No. <laughs> Thanks. Just, just. I can't so, say so, 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 great so, header and it wasn't no, nothing with that yeah, head. Can't if, add if, it. if listeners are not sure what that means, then you should listen to last week's episode and we'll explain <laughs> it in that. He, um... He, he is getting himself into this position though where so he's a centre back but his DVD his YouTube clip is, is all his goals I mean you know he, the thing is after, after, he's, he scored, after he scored with his cock the previous week I can't remember who was it against you could just say after he scored <laughs> yeah after uh, now that's now thank you well done um, no, one of uh, <laughs> no actually I'm, I'm going to look that up round 10 <laughs> River played against oh wait to God I cruise oh, yeah, uh, he scored the winner um and one of River's uh, youth team coaches or something mentioned in an interview with, with one of the clubs, uh, kind of Radio Partidarios, I think it was, with the um, uh, River Plate fans, radio stations, that uh, when Alvarez Balanta played for the River's youth teams prior to his move up to the reserve side, he was playing as a number 10. Hmm. So, versatility as well. Yeah, yeah, no, he, he can, he can play. There's too centre-back slash number 10s around. <laughs> no, no. But, I mean, although apparently Puyol used to, used to play up front for the, for the youth team at Barcelona. But, um, but Ever, I think with Balanta... I think Everett used to be a striker. It's very true. It's very true. But, um, but with Balanta, he's, he's not this cool, calm, collected. I mean, he's, he's more than likely and happy just to hoof the ball out yeah, when he's got time and he's got space there's no need to so I mean you know he looks very good he looks great but I mean this is a guy who's played four games for River Plate um, who in a, in a not very good River Plate side and who's hasn't got a professional contract and I'm sure he'll be do, he'll do very well but it's just very very early yeah, all these comparisons with Passarella and for you know I need to pick you up on not very good Joel because that result that draw leaves River third just four points off Newell's at the top Right, I see. The best River Plate side, potentially the best River Plate side in what five years since they won the two thousand eight Classic. Saying that much. Still, yeah, this, this, <laughs> <laughs> this is the three year spell in which relegated the club for the first yeah. time ever. I have, a, I have um, half of a tongue in cheek, but that result <laughs> that result does mean that River have reached for newly promoted sides what would normally be if they weren't River Plate the psychologically important barrier of fifty points for the season. Uh, so well done, River. Um, oh, too many for no. Yeah, no. And, and River aren't playing well. Regardless of getting results, no, they're not playing well. Not playing badly, though. Nah, come on. You, you don't watch River Plate at the moment. You don't think oh, that's that's like River Plate teams of old, or no, or of course not. Well, so they're not, they're not playing like Boca Juniors. Well, no, but well, we'll get on to that later. Only two teams but. are playing worse than Boca Juniors though at the moment. So I mean, three, I think, in terms yeah, of the in, in terms of the league table. 
I think it's. I think it's. Are they not, are they no, 17? 18. Oh, no, you're right, they're 18. Oh, okay. it's, yeah. it's pretty hard to be worse than one of those teams. And, 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 <laughs> yeah. and uh, you have a Drew, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, Argentina's Drew, fuck. Yeah. No, I don't think River are. No, no, no. They're, they're better, but I mean, but they didn't have a great initial and Almeida. Again, given the fact that I mean, you know, and this is nothing that Francesco said this week actually, which is that River have just come up and it's very, you know, just as it took a long time to get to fall so so low, it'll take a, a while to to get back to where they should be. They're, they're not playing. Yeah, yeah. Season yeah. when everybody else has been going about titles, I keep saying no. I, I, I've been I'd be delighted with Copa Sudamericana qualification. I still would, and it looks like they're going to do it. Um, but even at this stage I'll still be happy if they got it uh, moving on to Belgrano versus All Boys anything to say about that one not no. very much no, no. no. nothing at all um, apart not from that it was word. slightly surprising not a word. really I suppose given the form I was expecting Belgrano to win that fairly easily and they didn't they just didn't turn up Gofni van Borgello that was the thing that stuck I knew there was something that stuck in my head Borgello was getting booed because he's a former Tacheris the Cordobas player uh. Getting it in the net, you could hear it on TV incredibly loudly every time he got the ball, and he over-celebrated his goal uh, when it went in, uh, right in the face of the the home fans. As a result of which, the referee booked him and he's banned for the next <laughs> next weekend. Oh, that's something about um, Independiente. Rolfi Montenegro scores his penalty and rips off his shirt. What are you doing? Yes. He's going to get. He'll pick up yeah, another yeah, yeah. couple of bookings and he'll be suspended. Almeida did this for for River in the yeah. last. I mean, sure, it's it's tense, it's, it's everything, but you can't be getting yellow cards no, for taking off your shirt. Mm. It's just so unnecessary. Yeah. If you end up being suspended, then you're an idiot. Well, yeah, it's it's not good. No, Sorry. absolutely. Um, after which the the last game um, of the the weekend on Monday night. Whether that's the weekend or not, we don't know. Uh, if you're particularly both a a very good listener and and b very good at doing quick maths in your head, you'll have worked out that we've only listed nine matches. Uh, that's because Vélez versus Tigre uh, is going to be played a week on Wednesday, um, thanks to the Maravi um oh, yes. World Boxing Championship scandal <laughs> <laughs> that was played in Vélez's uh, that played fought I don't know what the verb is for boxing I don't really care um, in Vélez's stadium so they couldn't get the pitch uh, back Five. into shape in time fought <laughs> yeah fought I would guess yeah. um, anyway as, as a, the, the final match of the weekend was Lanús versus Atletico Rafaela in which I thought Lanús played much better than they have in a while but they conceded another late goal Jonathan Lopez with a really nice finish um, to give Rafaela a 1-1 draw I think Rafaela probably deserved if it makes sense Rafaela deserved the draw but I think Lanus also would have deserved the win if they managed to We were verging it. into sort of um, Ferguson time weren't we actually in that game it was, like it was six minutes left yeah left. And, and then they played an extra minute on, on top of the the official time oh, sorry, right, there was, five, there was another minute on, yeah. on top um, I only caught the very tail end of this game but um, I didn't see any tell, us, tell I was, us how they played I was playing uh, Carlos Carlos Izquierdos, um, who for a change was playing on uh, right back rather than left back in this game. It's a shame. It's, it's a name. You, ha- you have to play on the left. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, scored. Uh, if I remember rightly, with a header. Very, yes, that was right. Very well taken header from around the penalty spot from uh, uh, free kick. Uh, Eleven minutes in, and everything looked like sunshine and roses. And Lanús, for the next twenty minutes or so, at least, were just Lanús should have been should have gone in at the break two 0 up, two or three. Um, second half Rafaela came back out of them and, and Lanus for the most part were doing well to keep them out and looking dangerous on the counter could have had a second I think Silvio Romero had a very good chance towards the end 
um, to make it 2-0 and, and just saw it go very narrowly wide and then Rafaela went up the other end and got the equaliser. Um, that does mean that it's I think, three games drawn now for Lanús in a row. Um, Lanús is still unbeaten. Wheels coming off. But that result does mean that they're now two points behind Newell's at the top. Um, which they when you look still have to play? No, no. Lanús have already played and beaten Newell's in Rosario. Oh, was that like uh, the first game of the like, season? No, no, second or third, I think. Let's yeah. have a look. Round two was... I've got a feeling it might have even been the first. Oh, no, the second it would have been, yeah. yeah. The second, uh, the, the first round, Lanús yeah. were at home to... I can't remember. Yeah, I've got who. the order now. I remember. Um, and on his website isn't loaded. No, it was so a second. I can, yeah, I can assure you it was the second. Um, so, yeah, Lanús have just started to wobble. If, if they're going to win the league, they really have to get back to winning games very soon, can't they? Yeah, although also don't forget, I mean, last season, Villas at this stage of the season was still really not impressing yeah, and we're a little bit behind the pace as well and they just uh, it was Vélez's last seven games I think they, yeah. they went on a run so I mean as you said they do need to turn it around but I mean they're, they're by no means out of the uh, out of the running Lanús have a very good chance to turn it around this coming weekend because they are they're away but they're away to Argentinos Juniors who are currently bottom of the torneo final and have scored as I said earlier four goals in their 11 matches to date in 2013 um I don't think they're going to hold too much fear for that, are they? You'd expect Lanús to get back to winning ways there. Uh, one thing, because of course this covers with Godoy Cruz's um, draw against San Lorenzo that we mentioned at the very start of the show, is that the two men who are competing for the, to be Carlos Bianchi's successors at Boca Juniors suddenly aren't doing quite so well. Lanús start the season in have you got money in this? Because you're, you're obsessed with this issue of Palermo yeah. and, and Barrosquilotto. Partly because even, even when it's not... I mean, I mean, it's partly because I'm taking the piss out of the Argentine media. <laughs> no, but not even the Argentine media have been talking about nah, it. Nah, it's because they've started drawing matches. Instead of, but more seriously, Lanús and Godoy Cruz both started the championship superbly. As we are on this. And they're not doing quite so well now. Um, Neither of them are doing poorly. But a quick thing on the media. Um, Lanús... Uh, mentioned it last week. I'm going to mention it again. Page 24. They had, they had about fifth. I think the the column, not in the column. It was the it was the little little sidebar. Yeah. Fifty words on Lanús. Mm. Fifty words <laughs> in in a in a football paper. This is the side that is between first yeah. and and second in the league, and they're getting they're relegated to page 24 and, and 50 words. It's, and, it's, and you look at it at this stage as well, and that really. Albeit that you've already said that Ripper are playing poorly, but basically, it, it, at this point in the season, with just over a third of the championship still to go, if the championship is going to be decided, you know, realistically, it's going to be between one of these top three, which is Newell's mm-hmm. Lanús River. River four points behind Newell's, then you've got a, a four point drop from River to Atletico Rafaela in fourth. How good are they doing, by the way, from their point of view? Mm-hmm. Fourth place for, um, for Rosalba Rafaela. But you know, at the moment it's looking like it's going to be between one of those sides. And so for Lanus, as you say, to get 50 words in the paper edition, obviously, the online on the website is, is slightly different. But on, on, Online it's bloody impossible to find. Yeah. It's even harder yeah. to find. Well, you click on the club badge and you go take them there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. So right, yeah, only Lanus. Yeah, 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 you don't look on it. Yeah, no. you don't go and click so, onto it. And, yeah. Anyway, anyway. Um, yeah, unless you're looking specifically for Lanus uh, news, you're, you're not going to find it very easily. I know um, one of the... One of the um, Argentine serial tweeters, Ernesto, got very excited yesterday. The fact that there's a Lanús in English Twitter account, 
and he started making all kinds of jokes. It's become like, a bit of a cult thing. We've got Tom Beck, we've got these Lanusian English people who we know mm. are listeners, but I don't know who they are, so hello. I think they're in Spain. Um, I think they should tell us where they are. Yeah. Why, why yeah, they please, please get in touch via either hand as part of one of our accounts and let's know. Um, we've got Phil Carney, who's a regular listener, who's a Man City fan and also a, um, a Lanus fan. Oh, I think he does Lanus in English. Ah, that would explain it. Ooh. Phil, if you are Lanus in English, let us know. And Lanus in English, if you're not Phil, also let us Reveal know. Reveal yourself, <laughs> essentially. Um, but yeah, they're becoming a bit of a... Possibly the next Racing, the club that everybody supports because no foreigners support them. And then, as a result, loads of foreigners. Loads of foreigners support Who knows? Um, but, yes, th- that's it for the, the matches. Um, this weekend, we're now going to get on to something that happened just before River Plate versus, um, versus Quilmes, where in Quilmes... Um, nothing to do with uh, with River Plate's Barra uh, just because there were a couple of confusing things going around on Twitter when it happened um, there were gunshots fired into a Kielness, um in, into a, a micro uh, what's the word minibus uh, or coach um, transporting I'm getting English as well now. Um, or coach maybe. transporting Kielness Barra Bravas um, and five people ended up in hospital one seriously injured was the last I heard I don't know if there's been any one of them there Anybody know what went on there? Just the same as always, it's an internal battle between the official Kilmes Barra and like the section that want to kind of take over the the unofficial ones that you know want a bigger piece of the action. Like, I don't know. I think now it's even hard to get really surprised about this kind of thing you see in the paper, and it's just one of many oh, many facts that happen. Oh, completely. No, now it's it's it's, it's part of the. So you think? Oh well. At least some. Yeah. At least someone. At least no one died. Up. Like that's what I think. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Could have been worse. At least no one died. I think I heard. Gilmer's got quite a serious issue. I remember a couple of years ago when they were when they went down, right? Because then they came back up. Obviously, when they went down a couple of years ago, um, they had fairly major problems and uh, yeah. during one of the training sessions. Um, yeah. 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 So, but then the thing is, you know, I mean, I watched um, Gustavo Gravia, who's like the number one um, journalist who, who covers this this side of football, the Battle of Bravas, and um, he, he's, he now has a column on, on Estudio Football on, on yeah. TC, on, on one of the channels here, uh, midweek, and he, and he basically always sort of comes out and says, no, because this, this lot are like really, and, and he's absolutely right, um, they are to be feared, and they are pretty heavy-handed, and they are serious, but basically, I mean... 80% of the clubs have got pretty violent Barabravas. Yeah. And about 20 have just got some that just kind of, you know, mess around and are there or thereabouts. But, um, but essentially, you know, as I was saying, I mean, the Kilmes, as, as I said, Kilmes had problems a couple of years ago, but every club has. Every yeah. club that's been in relegation has. And to the extent where Racing are playing Kilmes next week, and yesterday on Twitter, don't you saw no, next week we've got Velis. Oh, you've got Velis. Well, it's you've in got a couple with, of weeks. Okay, so, right, so a, a couple of weeks away, weeks yeah. one of the big Racing um, fan websites, um, Foro Racing, oh, yeah. they were yesterday um, promoting the hashtag um, Balas Parados, right. if they don't lose to Cumulus, which is going bullets for everyone. Now, you know what I mean? If, if, so what, so this is the Barabrava, or, or just supporters, but essentially that, that's a, a slogan about a battle of the battle of bullets for everyone, saying that if our players don't let the opposition win, so that we screw over in the end, I was wondering where you get. We're gonna, we're gonna make, we're gonna, you know. It's, I mean, it's just, it's completely insane, man. So. Mm. 
I've, I've just been looking through an Ole uh, report on, on the police latest movements around Kilmes Badra while Joel was talking. And uh, I have to inject some humour into this by mentioning that one of the, the batterers who's in hospital with a leg wound, and frankly, he's a batterer brother and he's only been shot in the leg, so I don't feel too sorry for him, really. Um, so I feel it's fine to laugh at him. He's called Miguel Angel Striker. Mm. Um, S-T-R-A-I-K-E-R. Uh, if you're a listener, Miguel, then we hope you get well soon, I suppose. Um, if we really have to. So that's the Kinless batterer. Um, we've already mentioned Union, who actually painted exactly this same Twitter hashtag slash slogan onto, um, onto Union's uh, stadium. We'll be back after this very brief musical interlude to preview the weekend's action, and the reason we're doing a preview is that there's a little bit of a derby coming up, so don't go anywhere. to uh, this week's Super Classico, uh, which is coming up this, this weekend, we should very, uh, very briefly mention another, if you're listening, we hope you get well soon, but this one is entirely heartfelt, and it goes out to Javier Sanetti, who we're pretty sure is not a regular hand of pop listener, um, who underwent surgery today, uh, about uh, eight or nine hours ago in Italy. To kill his tendon. Yeah, and um, was giving just, just that description snapped. Yeah. Then it just hurts. It's just so, it looks, I don't know if you've seen the picture, but it looks so innocuous as well. Like the video of it just kind of like went down and crumbled. Like it just seemed like there was nothing in it. I think maybe he kind of it seems a to be taking it on the ankle. Seems to be taking it remarkably well. Well, this has he, been Sanetti for the last in, twenty years. Like exactly, yeah. he turns forty in August, and I was reading an, an interview with him today on on Cancha Scena, uh, which is La Nación's um, sport website, in which he was basically just saying, look. Most people, by the time they reach my age, if they're footballers, have retired already, and I'm just suffering my first serious injury. Yeah. <laughs> it's, well, it's, but he thinks he's going to come back. Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's a long time out, isn't it? But as you said, he uh, it is his first major injury, which means, and he's obviously going to look at him to know that he's taken care of himself. Yeah. That um, that he's in he's in great shape, and, and yeah. Giggs is obviously the uh, well the Welsh version in in, in the English in English Premier League. And um, there were just the odd conspiracy theory going around that he'd, he'd recently met the Pope. <laughs> it was the, the, apparently the Pope gave him a captain's armband, and it was the first time he'd used it. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, and, yeah. Yes. So there you go. Maybe the Pope's not such Since a judge of good luck charm for Argentines after all. <laughs> but yes, Javier Sanetti think it will soon. Um, and now, River Plate versus Boca. Sorry, Boca Juniors versus River Plate. It's like that Bombonera. Um I think every single River fan and every single Boca fan I've spoken to before this game is absolutely 100% certain that Boca are going to win. Yeah. yeah. Boca it's, fans it's ever. It's, it? it's going to happen. Like, we, I think that can I'm be, not quite, yeah, I'm not quite gonna gonna certain, but I'm, I'm completely convinced that River are not going to win, even though Boca are going to win and, really yeah. and, and they'll end up winning the Libertadores. And it'll be Bianchi turned it around in the Super Classic. Yeah, and River will finish second or third at some distance. They'll, they'll lose, they'll lose what, 2 0 Wednesday night to Corinthians. No, no, turn it around. Exactly. <laughs> to turn it around properly. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, how much of a preview can we give it? Because we've almost been building up to it all season. It's not changed. Boca is still playing like crap. River is still 
challenging for the title. No, it's not it's changed, but, but, it. but because of the pre-season friendlies, it's, it's, this has slightly been taken out of the edge, but it is the first competitive match with Ramon Diaz and, and Carlos Bianchi back. They are, they are the two most successful coaches in the history of, of both of the clubs, or the respective clubs, rather. So, um, so there is that element, but at the same time, you know, what state is Raquel going to be in? Trezeguet is not going to play. So the so the the two big name players are well. Maybe Raquel will have a, a key role. We're not sure. But um, <laughs> but yeah, we we'll have to wait and see that. Because he but, did the last time he came back from injury to feature in a Super Classico, and he got injured himself again after six minutes and limped through the rest of the first half. Well, well, Borgi wouldn't take him off. No, um, he, he, he asked. He asked to be taken off, and Borgi wouldn't take him off till mm. to half time. Um, but this is the thing neither in in very good well you're saying River in good form Boca clearly aren't but um, these matches are always you know great spectacles there's always so much at stake and it it is where both managers have got um, have the opportunity to give for the springboard to finish well to finish the season very well so for River if they win this one you'd say there'd be odds on to go on and, and and push to win the title, and for Boca as well. If they if they win the game, then it completely transforms the mood of the club, and it puts them in a better position in the Libertadores. But also for Bianchi to, you know, well, to, I think for both teams more than anything, like a loss, you know, it's it's not to lose rather than to win. Both teams have got you know more to lose than to win if they go out for it. So I don't think we're going to see a classic at all, a classic classic or this. No, obviously, if we look at the other way, if uh, River lose, then they can work about to the title. It's not going to happen. And if Boca lose, you know that's that's the season. You know that's turned from a disaster into a catastrophe. Let's say. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think we're going to see two teams that are going to take real, take mm. a lot of care. You know, not push it, for it. As tended to be the I case, but then, I can't get excited but then, but but then like the last, the last one was a two-two goal yeah. in the first minute, goal in the last minute. The football wasn't amazing, but I mean there was that element of tension. Um, and the last, the game before that, that was in the league, was um, the one which many of the conspiracy theorists say was, was the detonator for River Plate to fall out with, well, Passarella to fall out with Grandona, and which sort of put River Plate on the way to relegation. There were like seven penalty shouts not given. So these games always have an element of that. They always, there's always something going on, um, and you know, no matter how much the, the, the pre-season. Uh, friendlies do mean it's like saturated, yeah. but they're, they're still great games. And, and you're, you're right in the sense that neither want to lose, but things always happen in these games. And I've got to say, you know, going back to, um, to our theory, your your critic earlier was saying, you know, just because the game's got goals, it doesn't make it a good game. I think that two 0 in the first Super Classic goal was, you know, the textbook example of that. It wasn't. It was an awful game. They had yeah, like yeah. two early goals and then two goals right at the death, but and about 80 minutes of real. Awful, just truly eye pain, eye pain in football. The thing is that it being a super classical obviously adds that element of at least tension to it. Yeah, I mean, I don't care who wins. No, but, yeah, but you don't. You don't <laughs> but, but that's good. No, but you you get as excited for the racing in the Bendiente, right? And no one else really cares about that. So yeah, you know, it, it's because you're you support one side here very much. Yeah. But I mean, for for Argentine football and for Argentina, this is this is the game. I mean, no no one says they're in the they play no, great no, football, or anything, but but it is the, the game where everyone around the country has an opinion about this game. Whereas, yeah. um, but I've got to say, from what I've heard, you know, I've not been following it. You know, I've been working like the last couple of days, so I've never been able to kind of watch the coverage. But it seems like compared to other years, it's a little bit less 
I was going yeah. to say that. Yeah. Yeah. I, Maybe I think it's Buffer. I think part of it is because Buffer still yeah. have to play. Um, but definitely, it seems to be slightly muted. Yeah, which yeah, should only be a good thing because it really gets irritating. Yeah. I think that's where my my aversion to this this game comes from. Oh, I agree. I mean, I'm, I'm a River fan, obviously. Yeah. And, I mean, it's I, just I another find game that you know, give it gets. a build up no more than if we get you. Um, just let's not oversaturate it, please. That's all I ask. <laughs> In that case, I'll only mention that the last time River Plate won in La Bombonera was during the 2004 Clausura, uh, when Fernando Cabenaki, I think, yes, yeah, it's just come off the line. Fernando Cabenaki got the the winner. Um, I think that was the same game that Maxi Lopez won his transfer to Barcelona. It wasn't it. Came off the bench about 16 minutes in Casalas got injured and just played the one truly phenomenal match of his career. Um, and nine years later, here we are. <laughs> And look at what he's done. Um, so there's your Super Classical preview, listeners. Uh, anything else to, to add, gentlemen? I think we're going to just quickly mention the Copa Argentina and two... Of course, the Copa Argentina. Devastating um, results for me and, me and Samuel. What, what Joel, happened? of course, neutral, so he was laughing maniacally at both of us. <laughs> what, what happened here was, uh, first of all, that uh, in, in the when I was doing up a uh, uh, much vaunted hand-upon running order earlier on, I forgot to mention the Copa Argentina, apparently, uh, entirely. But um, last Wednesday evening, it was Wednesday, wasn't it? Yes. Wednesday, kind of late afternoon, early evening, um, Racing lost... To bloody hell, I was going to 1 0 to Tristan Suarez. Tristan Suarez, well done. Can you forget Tristan Suarez? It's the course. greatest name ever. It is. Um, Tristan Suarez is a football Ooh. club, not a player. Um, and, and Racing. 1 0 to Tigre. Oh, Tigre have just scored. 27 minutes in, at home to Olympia. Also, I'm paying attention. This is a great game. End to end stuff. I haven't loads, loads going on. No, really. <laughs> this is why you position yourself at the head of the table. Screen of, yeah. Who is that? Peñalba, no? Peñalba. Um, Gabriel Peñalba, we think, <laughs> has just scored for Tigre. Um, but yes, uh, Tristan Suarez are a football club, not a not a player. Um, and they, all 11 of them, beat Racing, Joe. There is, the, yeah, sorry, sorry. Just, um, there, there is, a, under Maradona, Tristan Suarez were the, the sparring team for the for the national side. Because they're based out near Ezeiza, yeah, yeah. the airport, but which is also obviously the AFA yes. training headquarters. And, um, and under Maradona because of Maradona's links with the, the local mayor, councillor, governor, whatever they're called, um, they, were, they were the sparring side. Oh, interesting. Which is clearly where they got the experience. Yeah, definitely. Defending against the likes of Messi and Iguane, which meant, yeah. you know, Pepe Sand is just oh, not a problem. Um, I don't think you'll see him play another game in Brasil. They, they got a 1-0 win um, against Racing in the Copa yeah. Argentina. We should mention, of course, that Racing were defeated finalists in last year's Copa Argentina. Yeah. Uh, and it was a beautiful goal, actually, that took them down from uh, Federico. Dan, I, I wasn't watching this game at all, because it was on at the same time as, I think it was the same time as Venice Newell's. Or, or, uh, in the yeah. Yeah, yes, yeah, yes, it was. Yeah. For which reason I was not watching it, but obviously you were, so just fill yeah. us in on, on that one, if you would. Yeah, just an extremely frustrating game to be a Racing fan... Uh, Tristan Suarez took the took the lead pretty early. It was a goal from Federico Barrio Nuevo, who's formerly of uh, Olimpo, Platense, and, and about fifteen other clubs. Like Je- journeyman, the journeyman's journeyman, you yeah. could say. And but it was an absolutely stunning goal. He took it on the volley, right foot from outside the area, and it just flew flew into the bottom right hand corner, I believe. Um, the substitute keeper for Racing Oliveira was playing, and you know. I don't think even Saka would have... Uh, Saka would have saved it because he's <laughs> God, but <laughs> Dolivera is definitely not God. Keep going, no, I'm just counting and up Ariel Nuevo's club. Yeah, so that was kind of a blow for Racing, Arion, and you, but you think, right, 
it's a premeditated team, you know, with the likes of Cameron Renacci, a World Cup winner in there, you know, uh, Vieto, um, all these, you know, the youngsters, Bolatti, who went to a World Cup as well. Then it's not a team short in quality, you know. It's a minor blip and they're going to come back, you know, against a team that's fighting against relegation to Argentina's fourth tier this year. But it just never happened. Like, Racing had mountains of the possession, just couldn't put any decent passes together. It was all ponderous. It was trying to... I don't even know what they were trying to do. Pepe San was awful again. And I know Racing went close once. They hit the bar through... Might even have been sand, but I would have probably spared him some of the criticism that that went in. But that was about as close as Racing got. And then they also got reduced to nine men, which didn't help. Um, Bolatti and Camaronesi both got sent off. Camaronesi for just a petulant kick, which said to everyone, right, what happened to me? I'm a World Cup winner. Now I'm in San Juan on a <laughs> ship. Wednesday night playing against fourth division footballers. How many people there? And I'm losing. No yeah, one was there. There was like there was about two thousand yeah. people. Exactly. I mean, no one was there. So Cameron is thinking, right? I don't really want to be here. Fuck it. I'm going back to the dressing room. Kick, and he gets sent off. Um, can I just ask? Was your estimate of Barrio Nuevo as having played for fifteen clubs completely off the top of your head? Usually, when I think of journeymen, they've played for about fifteen clubs. So that's what I base it on. Well, it makes fifteen spells at fourteen different clubs. So well done, <laughs> it's remarkably accurate. But that is the definition, right? He's in his early thirties. So that is that's the definition. Isn't it? Fifteen seasons, but, moves every season, yeah. never settles yeah. anywhere. Absolutely. It was so, brilliant. Yeah, it's always going to be in the tears. 15, yeah. He was in tears yeah. after after the game. He was absolutely oh. delighted. Um, as we say, Racing defeated finalists in last year's Copa Argentina. Were beaten one 0 by third division. Um, uh, I've forgotten the name already. And it's in, on the screen in front of me. Um, and River Plate, who were defeated in the semi-final on penalties, wasn't it? By Racing. Yeah. Yeah. By the Racing last season of the Copa Argentina, uh, went out about two hours later, uh, losing one 0 to Estudiantes de Buenos Aires um, mm-hmm. I had that game on in the background was not paying very much attention after but uh, Joel did you see any Dan did you see any no no, very really. little, no no I mean I, I, again I caught ten. I paid enough attention to know that unlike Racing River were playing very much a mix it was largely reserved with a couple of starters so well it was but this is a bigger shot but at the same yeah. time yeah Racing was more mainly starters with a couple of reserves yeah. Yeah. But, but actually we didn't mention this in the super classical bit and it's quite relevant here is because Rodrigo Mora whose form has been dreadful yeah, for, for really River but who always who was always scored against Boca? He scored in, the, yeah. in all the Clásicos that he's played in. Um, well, we say this, we should bring it into context. Rodrigo Mora has been a River Plate player since the beginning of the current season. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but he's played. But he, did, he did obviously in, in the Colonial and then what two, was it two or three? I think he played in two of the two of the Super Clásicos, um, and he's done brilliantly in, in all of them. But but since then his form has been has really tailed off. So yeah. so this was kind of. I, I get the feeling that uh, Ramon was Ramon Diaz was was looking at testing him out, seeing how how fired it, up he was. And actually, just before the game, um, this is exactly what Mora said. He said, "I'm really looking forward to the Super Clasico." So, um, and he well clearly didn't take that opportunity. I mean, yeah. Rivers should have um, players in the reserve side and and older youth team players yeah. to put out a. Mixed second string side, say, mm. and beat uh, and defeat a uh, third division, fourth division side, right? Um, so certainly, I saw. You have to ask a few questions about. I, I paid a bit more attention to the the second half than to the first, and credit to Estudiantes de Buenos Aires because they defended superbly throughout. 
Um, but then you always say this when a lower division side beats the top yeah. division side in any cup, whether it's the Copa Argentina, whether it's the, uh, an unfancied side the Libertadores, whether it's the FA Cup, whatever. What I will say is that the thing that stuck in my mind most of all from Wednesday evening was the complete lack of any perspective from both Racing and River fans that I saw on, well, on Twitter, of course, um, but also in, in the bar when I'm going to have for a drink later on and, and talk to a few. They were all, I mean, there were River fans calling Ramon Diaz a sinvergüenza who doesn't appreciate the history of this club, a, a shameless man. And I'm thinking, this is the greatest manager in the history of the club you're talking about, and you've just gone out to a third of the club. It happens. Yeah, but this well, is no, but this thing, it doesn't. It, it doesn't, doesn't happen, no. It doesn't. In Argentina, Europe, it doesn't, because they haven't had the Copa Argentina. Well, exactly, exactly, yeah. That's it. Precisely. That's yes. it. And, and this is what I mean. They, they, they haven't... Argentines... Although we, we said, and we said several times on hand of pop before the Copa Argentina happened, that we'd really like a knockout championship within Argentina, it would be a good thing. At the moment, it maybe seems that Argentines don't quite get the slightly random nature of these events sometimes. Well, I think it doesn't help as well that uh, people Arsenal. don't feel connected to the games other than when their teams lose. Mm. This is the fault of the AFA because they're putting games in Catamarca Absol- where River absolutely. played, yeah. Rassi- like Racing played in San Juan, and I know it's even caused, you know, violence and stuff. I know there was a case where um, Huracan and Merlo Barras, because basically it's only the Barras that go to the games, yeah. Because they're the only ones who get their tickets paid. Who don't, who don't have to work, and who don't have to work. So they cross in a you know dusty highway in San Luis or San Juan and and shot shot each other up a little bit. So it's just absolute no. It's absolutely <laughs> shot, shot each other up a little. Bit. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. I mean, no, but you're you right. You're right. Make, they're yeah. not they're not creating the sense of identity no. around the, around the cup by having it. In, in, in whereas I mean yeah. they could even make it that the, the lower team always plays at home yeah. I mean there is the problem with the Bada Bravas this is true but if they're all ending up having to travel to Mendoza or San Juan in the first place then it's the problem is it just, yeah. it's just been um, moved yeah. to a different different location but yeah. but you're right about this there's no sense that or even just I mean, meaning that the biggest when, when, when that River played Defensores when River played Defensores for example last year yeah. um, separated by two kilometres yeah. in, in the north of Buenos Aires and they, well, less they had to go to they had to travel 15 hours um, uh, west to, to, to go and play the game. At least play it in Huracan Stadium. At least yeah. play it in Buenos Aires so that everyone can go. And as you said, it means that the, the smaller clubs take it on and that the bigger clubs take it a little bit more seriously because yeah. they, can, they can actually go. I mean, let's look at the facts. Tristan Suarez and Estudiantes, I don't want to offend any of their fans who are listeners, regular listeners of the show, but this is probably the best they're ever going to see of their team. Beating Racing and beating River, they didn't see it. They saw it on yeah, TV and exactly. God knows. I mean, why not let them go to the you know go to the grounds and have the moment of no, exactly. the fifteen minutes? Like, Next generation players as well. Where so. were you? Where were you? Where were you when, exactly. when, when we beat Racing? Yeah. I was like, oh, I watched it on TV because I was working the next day. I didn't realise it was on, so I didn't. You know, <laughs> so it happens. Yeah, it's just you know, it's a great idea to have the copper, but the handling is so dreadfully. It makes me almost angry. I'd agree entirely with the handling, and it's something that we've said. Several times. Uh, so I thought we said, didn't we hear before well. um, that it was only going to be Booker and River who were going to play? After to, towards the end of last year, that's what they said. They said that yeah. from now on, uh, that from this this year's edition on, uh, it was going to be played at the basically the lower division side stadium when the draw was made. Apart from Boca and River, whose matches were going to be all over the country. Yeah. Um, and you think, well, at least that's a step in the right direction. And it's just, it, for some reason, whatever reason, that's not happened. One thing this does do, of course, is... For whatever reason. It means... Who, who were the... Who would the side of the Boca in the semi-final last year? Was it San Lorenzo? Mm, no, uh, it was... Uh, Central. Central, you're right, Central. well done. So what it does mean is that of last season's... 
four semi-finalists, we've already had River and Racing go out and Central are not showing up on this at all. Oh, yeah, they, yeah Central are already out as well. So Boca are the only one of last season's four semi-finalists to get to the round of... Sixteen, um, and they're playing all boys in the next round. And given the form that Boca are in, and given that all boys have developed a bit of a habit since they came off of beating big sides, um, it does throw the copper wide open. I mean, it, it wouldn't be any surprise if, say, Newells were to get a treble. Maybe Libertadores plus Hello. Final. Really? Plus Hello. Hello. Are we actually Throwing saying this? Yes, we are. You're saying it. I'm not <laughs> this, is, this is in no way the Argentine media getting overly excited about something. That's just you, Sam. Why do you keep throwing it back to the Argentine? These are crazy under, theories under you've got. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no one's mentioned it. Just it. Just under under is, the Argentine media must have said it at some point. So under, under I'm just them. Under pod is better than them. No, I'm, uh, I'm merely suggesting. <laughs> Newell's, Newell's run to the semis, at least, involves either Sportivo Belgrano or Tacheres de Córdoba, and then Estudiantes de Buenos Aires, or Banfield or Juventud Antoniana. So, I mean, Newell's winning the Copa Argentina would not be in any, in any means impossible. The Libertadores might be a bit more difficult for them. Um, <laughs> Considering they're one down and they've played the home leg. No, uh, exactly. But yeah, sides left in it at the moment. Boca Juniors, all boys. Godoy Cruz versus Olimpo. Quilmes versus Estudiantes de la Plata or Atletico Tucumán. Morón or San Lorenzo against Atletico Rafaela. Tristan Suárez. Defeaters of the mighty Racing uh, versus either Gimnasia de, de Entre Rios or Defensores Unidos. Estudiantes de Buenos Aires who downed River Plate against Juventud Antoniano or Banfield and Sportivo Belgrano de, uh, or Tacheros against Newells. Uh, plus Platense or Arsenal against Independiente or Boca Unidos. So that one will obviously be Boca Unidos um, given the form that Independiente have shown. It could well turn out, given that kind of thing, to be a, a entertaining, perhaps not highest quality, but an entertaining, um, evenly fought copper. It could be really interesting from here on, whereas the last year's turned out to be basically just this battle of the three really big teams. Who yeah, but the, pro- the problem is, at this point in its, um, in its formation in, in the copper's life, it needs the big things to be in I'm going to throw that out there. Or, well, it needs big teams, but it also needs full stadiums. And if you yeah, get yeah. Some clubs like these, with all due respect, but playing in Catamarca, I mean, we'll be lucky to have a thousand people at games. They won't even show the games on TV. If it's. Yeah. Gimnasia de Entre Rios against them, Juventud in Taniano in the final, in Patagonia. <laughs> at three o'clock on a Friday morning. I don't know, playing on the face of the moon. Can I, can I just say watch. at this stage that I, in some ways I'm a visionary in this because last year, <laughs> and I remember this was before Joel joined the podcast full time, it was an episode that we recorded at Australian Dance, but Joel was present, and I spoke about the stupidity of the organisers making, in my words I believe at the time, tiny clubs with only 200 fans travel 1500 miles to go to sea games. I'm, I'm being proven right. Really. No, I think everyone, everyone, no, everyone, everyone thought this, right? This was, yeah, this has been our whole complaint <laughs> about the um, We're now going to play some music and we will come back and we will answer some of your listeners' questions, so don't go away.
Okay, questions. The first one is a Copa Argentina one. It's come in via email because you can email questions in as well. You can use the contact form on the hand of pod.wordpress.com blog or you can send them straight to me at sam at astaelgolsiempre.com. Um, and the question is, uh, Simon Leary asks, regarding the Copa Argentina, regarding these losses for River and Racing, do these defeats uh, tell us anything about the relative strengths and weaknesses of the Primera and lower division teams? No, I think both games were kind of one-offs, like what can happen in a cup tie. Maybe the bigger team comes into it kind of, you know, half ass, not really yeah. looking for it. It seemed that way. I didn't see all of the River game, but I did see all the wrestling game, and it seemed like both the Primera teams didn't exactly look that committed and went through the motions. Oh, great. Yeah. And does two large, like, league teams kind of play for their life. Does, does Exeter getting a draw in the first match against Manchester United and taking them to a replay in the FA Cup say very much about the gap between exactly. Exactly. the division Exeter yeah. and so Exeter? It's, it's two things. On the one hand, exactly, <coughs> the giant killing is what these, these cup competitions are all about. And on the second hand, on the other hand, um, uh, many of the Premier clubs really treat it not as the FA Cup, but as the League Cup. Yeah. Yeah. So they tend to put out weaker teams. Um, yeah. And this, this, that goes right up into the final. Possibly um, the Lancashire Senior Cup. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I mean, but also that happens in Spain as well. Copa del Rey. I mean, reserve keeper always plays for yeah. for teams. So, um, so well, I, I think it's a bit of a get up all the way to the Champions League semi-final. Well, that's very true. Simon also asks, out of interest, uh, when is the when is this edition of the Copa likely to finish? Because it seems unlikely by the end of the season. The reason for that, Simon, is that they've they've changed it. It didn't kick off until February or very early March I think even the qualifying stages were being played in January between teams down in Patagonia with only 200 fans and it's the final is going to be played in late November early December I think so they're doing it over the calendar year rather than the season I suspect that that is so that they can put a couple of matches in winter when there's no other football being played in Argentina uh, more than anything Mike O'Neill asks a few weeks ago you made reference to coaches taking a percentage of transfers to players that they've given debuts to is this standard practice in Argentina well, uh, this is possibly in relation to Bianchi's son being somebody or other's agent at that's Boston, just, just so controversial um, it's, this is all just totally um, off the record no yeah. one unstated but no 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 the Bianchi thing is, is that is is the question of whether it's a conflict that his signings, his new players are represented by his son? As, yeah, that's, as a different, agent. that's a that, different. That's a completely different thing yeah. to giving a player a, a debut yeah. and and then getting some of the uh, getting a kickback from mm-hmm. it. Um, there are lots of insinuations. I think to answer the question, lots yeah. of insinuations that coaches indulge in this practice, um, but I wouldn't be the one to name any of those people who are. I don't mentioned. know if it's a kickback. One. Almost like, more a, almost like a bonus, you know. Yeah. Because obviously the player have to, you know, you can give, I don't know, me and Sam a debut in Primera, but we're never going to get a transfer to Europe, you know what I mean? The player has to be good enough in the first place. I, I think it's some, invo- some managers you know, might, have, might have contractual clauses allowing them a percentage of the economic rights to that player. Yeah, yeah. Something um, along those lines. Precisely. Um, Cabuster uh, Santiago who was on last week asks which Copa Argentina stunner did you find most entertaining so far my vote goes for Estudiantes versus River um, and he also says I'm betting Dan won't vote for the Tristan Suarez one no I'm going for Estudiantes as well I'm going to go for Tristan Suarez purely because as we mentioned a few minutes ago it was, it was Racing's largely sort of more Racing's first team than River's first team in, 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 that got eliminated if that makes any sense uh, I think it was more Entertaining for that reason, uh, but I, I suspect that when Independiente go out to whichever side we said they were playing against a few minutes ago, oh, that's going to be Boko Unidos, uh, that, that'll be funnier than any of them. Yeah, 
Yeah. Well, it's, they're a little bit higher standard. Well, it's going to be one of their um, their opponents for next year, so it's good for practice. <laughs> uh, we have Luis Bessone, Handapod 100 and 101 with more of the same quality, and thank you for the time and effort on each of them. It's it was a lot pleasure. of time, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> An awful lot of time. Uh, Dan said that he didn't even have to edit them. Um, so yeah, uh, Ryan Ross says with Ricky. Ryan Ross seems. Forgive me, Ryan, if I'm um, conflating you with somebody else. But you always seem to ask about Ricky Alvarez. Um, he asks with Ricky Alvarez initially struggling at Inter, but now coming good. Are the pod surprised? Did he make the move too early? No, I'm not surprised. I've always liked him. Um, it's never easy moving. To Italy, Spain, England, Bayern. Yeah, it's Liga. something that takes time to get. He's a good player. He's a good yeah. player. He's, he's not. He's not going to be uh, golden ball or golden boot or any, any of these golden any, prizes. Golden, but um, but, he's, he's, but he's a good player, and everyone I thought was very quick to criticise him at Inter, um, which is clearly a huge club to move to. Um, but the move wasn't early at all because he was he was 23 when he moved. So I think he had to make the move, and um, I'm very pleased for Ricky, despite the fact that he stood me up for an interview. I think what people forget about um, about Richie <laughs> is, that, get that in there. <laughs> is that yeah, even though you know we all know he had promise coming into Vélez and he played some fantastic games, but he was never a really regular starter for Vélez. Maybe yeah. in the last three or four months before he, he was used very much as a sub. So good to see him getting yeah regular play and going Just, well. The other thing I would say is it's, it feels like about two weeks ago since we were as- answering a question about why Ricky Alvarez hadn't been doing very well. So the idea that he's suddenly coming good is. Uh, a nice surprise I'll say because I've not been able to see very much Italian football at all this year I've been uh, watching far more of of Spain and England and and Bundesliga when Argentina's not been on Ryan Ross also he's a very curious man today he's he's got three questions for us he asks how has Maxi Rodriguez fared since his return to Newell's we kind of brushed on this earlier scored a a winner in a three uh, thriller very good very Very well a couple of injuries have kind of held him back a bit but apart from that when he's been on the pitch he's been a fantastic presence he's been better than since since he's landed up at well yeah that's mainly been for injuries as well but Clancy as well has has been great for Newell mm. since coming back. There's um, his red card, and then we've had the Yeah, but this is Heinze. Typical yeah. Gabriel Heinze. Yeah. Gets sent off for the most obvious red card you've ever seen, and then spends five minutes arguing with him. It's not Ryan also finally asks How have Lancini and Sirigliano developed this season at River? Oh, that's an interesting one. Can they make the move to Europe and become internationals? I'll, I'll take this one. Um, Lancini and Sirigliano have regressed this season at River. Well, I've seen Lancini out of a couple of good moments. I think I, against Racing he played. Lancini has had a couple of good moments, Correct. but I think it's by and large. River players always turn up against Racing. They don't do anything for the whole season. <laughs> I, I still remember that through this Mori hat trick uh, three, almost three years ago this week, actually. I wake up in cold sweats and panic about that stuff. I, I watched that game at, Seb, at Seba's house. Uh, I was in the stadium. Weekend I wanted, after I moved to. I was actually delirious with laughter at the end because I was like, I just couldn't believe, like, when his money would dare to score a hat trick against anyone. Like, <laughs> three more goals than he scored ever. Anyway, um, Lancini has had, has had a few decent moments. He scored a few goals, but I think by and large the consensus has been that he might have been better off. Uh, extending his loan at Fluminense or maybe at Fluminense taking up the option which apparently they did and Passarella didn't think it was enough money well, which no. is typical of Passarella well no the 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 uh in, in the contract for the uh, for, for last year's loan, it, it was stipulated that it, had to be, it was twelve million euros. Right. And and Fluminense always said, "Well, look, we really want to keep him, but we cannot pay that." So they, they tried to bargain him down, but but I think what happened is that River said, "Well, no, you signed the agreement, and that is the price." So okay. Um, Lancini, from what I heard about his time in Brazil, did well without being spectacular. 
Um, so far at River, he's, he's come into a lot of criticism. I think the system that they've been playing isn't necessarily the most conducive to having a, an enganche. Um, ironically, really, given that that was one of the key positions under Diaz in, in his previous uh, River teams. Um, Sirigliano has just not featured. Well, he's just not being, select, being picked, is he? And it's, it's strange because um, players who are, I'd argue, are. Aren't, aren't as good and um, and also don't have a sell-on value no. and, and don't have a future either at the club or or in Europe so it's, it's well, a bit, a bit of a strange I mean, one at the same time is Sirigliano not featuring because of, of Carlos Sanchez or is Sirigliano no, not featuring Ledesma. because Ledesma or because yeah. of Poncio it's Ledesma okay. really because I mean I mean, because it's act- it turned out being a straight swap because I mean, Poncio's definitely in the side rightly so um, Sanchez yeah, he now, needs to uh, sort out the, the final ball, but is uh, has great engine and is and you know is all over the place. Um, sometimes in a good sense, sometimes not quite. Um, but um, but I mean, Siriganos, he's a great player. Yeah. And it's not just since Diaz took charge. Yeah, under well, Almeida, Almeida was in it. charge as well. He wasn't playing fantastically, and this is a player who, after uh, a, a, an understandable, given the pressure and the fact that he was just breaking into the first team iffy half-season prior to Rivers' relegation, and then a very impressive season, but in the second division, apparently had a transfer offer in from Man City. Yeah, yeah, no, no, but that, that's right. Which River turned down. Yes. But, but River turned down £10 million for Funimori. Can we just um, say that River aren't particularly good businessmen? Well, well yes Pat Pirella might be too good a businessman for his own good. <laughs> no, that makes He's you a bad too obsessed with getting this, yeah. this fantastic price for River. Um, um, you look Let at it not be forgetting that, that Sidigliano was captain when River Plate were um, promoted. Mm. So he's he's viewed. I mean, he's very well regarded by his teammates as well as as by the coaching staff. Less so, obviously, by Ramon Diaz. But the point is that he's he's not playing very much, and and I think it's a shame because he's. Um, I think he's a great player. I think he's got a really good future. I think he's a slightly more lyrical Machiavelli. The other thing is he's only. 21 years old yeah yeah. it's not like ok now in terms of oh this Argentine player with a chance to move to Europe that sounds like he's absolutely fucking ancient why has he not already been there for four years but in fact he's still perfectly young enough to stay for another season let's say after this one in Argentina solidified uh, sort of um, take stock come back next season yeah. improve his performances and then he can be off and, and make a Absolutely, and you know, I never tire of saying that. You know, one of the to this day, people are still saying Argentinians don't have that kind of Redondo kind of player still. And Redondo is, is regarded as one of the great European midfielders in the last you know, mm-hmm. 10, 15, 20 years, whatever. Um, and Redondo moved when he was 24. Yeah. He was in he was in Argentina until he was, until he was 24. So um, yeah, I think you're very right to touch on that point, Sam, about. You know, people say, oh, he's 20, he's got to go. So, well, no, it doesn't do him any no. particular good guy at 20 rather than 24, I don't think. No. Uh, Luis Besson is back with a question that makes sense this time, and he's, he asks, Newell's old boys versus the Racing is the match of the year. We should mention, of course, that Luis Besson is a Newell's question. Uh, no, no, the <laughs> question's coming up. <laughs> Albeit it does lack a question mark at the end of the tweet, but it is a question. He says, was it an accurate description, d- depiction of Argentine football or an end-to-end anomaly? Ooh. I had somebody tweet me during the game and say this is by far easily the best match so far of the Donnell final and I had to pull him up and say hang on Donnell final so far has had some really good games yeah. and I remember Joel in one of the very early episodes of 2013 saying you've fallen back in love with Argentine mm. football 
after a series of fantastic matches in one weekend. Yeah, I wouldn't true. say it's an, un- an, an un- anomaly. I can never say anomaly. Why do you have to use this word, Lewis? Uh, more, more an exaggeration, let's say. Kind of, yeah, it was a very good game and probably a little bit better than a lot that we've seen this year, but it wasn't out, you know, out of this world compared to what we've seen. It's been, it's been a decent year so far, I'd say. Mm. And it's good to see the clubs like Newells and Lanús, the teams that have like just gone out, attack, 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 attack for most of the season, on top. I think that's something we can really take so far from the championship. I would agree wholeheartedly with what Dan just said, Joe. I, I undersign it as well. Super. Um, final question is from Tom Robinson, who asks, what is Marcelo, and this is one of the very few Argentine surnames that is pronounced as you would expect it to be by an Argentine Spaniard. What is Marcelo Gallardo up to these days? It's not Gallardo or Gallardo. Ooh, well, he's not working. Um, no, he's not working. He is. Yes. I, 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 he sacked or did he resign as Nacional? He resigned. Right? He resigned. He was just winning the championship. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so he was at Nacional where he, he took over after he retired as a player, won the title there, left there. He's in Argentina. And so he, he, he left after winning the Apertura. He won the title and then he won the Apertura. Because in exactly. Uruguay there's only one championship exactly, here. Exactly. That's why. Um, Hang on a second, sorry. Because I'm sure... Didn't he leave the Nacional job right before they played Boca in the Libertadores? Because he was like, go. No, no, it was before that. No, no, he left it right after the Oh, sorry, I'm getting confused. That was right, the, yeah. guy, July, the guy. July did. 2012 uh, is when he left Nacional. There you go. Um, and I did find him recently on uh, someone retweeted him and I didn't know I didn't believe it was him but I think it is and he's quite an interesting follow on, on Twitter yeah. he, he says some interesting stuff what's his app? Um, I think it's quite li- I'll, I'll have a look but I think it's quite literally Marcelo Gachardo <laughs> original man um, it's Gachardo Marce OK ah there you go they always put OK at the end don't they yes yeah. Argentine and um, and he says some interesting stuff just about um games that are going on and about situations and about well this week he's been tweeting a little bit about Super Classico um, and as an ex-pro or as a pro he makes a surprisingly good follow the only thing I'll say is that his Twitter profile picture is exactly the same photograph that appears on Wikipedia I just saw that on Wikipedia um, yeah. but if any well, listeners right, if it's not him I'm if sorry any listeners would, into, if any listeners that. would like to start following him on the off chance check the Hand of Pod Twitter account which is at Hand of Pod um, and he's our most recent follow in our following list. Um, so, there you go. So, yeah, for the moment, sorry, Joel, you were saying, out of work, not in any particular rush. Um, I wouldn't have thought he's going to be too long out of work, though. No, no, for sure. I'm sure he's had lots of offers. He, yeah. he was mentioned for the Banfield gig, actually. Which of course he was, yeah, you're right. Almeida. Been, I don't think we mentioned yeah. it on Hand of Pot, but yeah, Almeida's taken charge. Yeah. Um, and that concludes our questions. So now uh, you'll hear some mystical theme music and I will tell you what to bet all of your pocket money on this coming weekend. Predictions for this weekend. This is Mystic Sam back. Mystic Dan. Um, oh shit! I forgot to check out what he did last weekend. Uh, I've forgotten already. Um, but here we go. This is what to, to bet on this weekend. Uh, I think that Colón are going to get an away win over Godoy Cruz. That Quilmes versus San Lorenzo is going to finish in a draw. Union versus Belgrano, I think, is also going to be a draw. Uh, Lanús ought to beat Argentinos in La Paternal. Racing versus Vélez, draw. I'm not sure whether that means I have to apologise or say no, that's quite alright, Dan, don't worry about it. Um, 
Independiente, I think, are going to beat Tigre, particularly since Tigre is still winning in their Copa Libertadores tie at the moment, so they might well have uh, half an eye on, on the continental competition still. Uh, Boca versus River will leave till last because it's the Super Clásico, obviously. Atletico Rafaela versus San Martín de San Juan, I think, is going to be a draw as well. All boys to beat Estudiantes de la Plata in Floresta. Newell's old boys to get an away win against Arsenal. And um, that's the Super Classico. As I kind of hinted at, I think, earlier earlier in the episode, I'm going for a draw in that one. Any particular matches that are looking good to you guys this weekend, apart from Boca River, obviously? Or even, not yeah. even Boca River in Dan's case, I suppose. Uh, it's <laughs> going to be just enough. I'll probably, I'll probably catch a couple of minutes of it. Uh, um, Racing against Vélez could be could be interesting. Hopefully Vélez will play the reserve team to give us a fighting chance. <laughs> but um, I think this is going to be about the fight at the bottom as well. Uh, it's going to be interesting how to see how Quilmes do, how um, uh, San Martín does, Independiente of course. And I think everyone who listens regularly knows how I, how you know I'd like the sequence of those games to uh, to turn out. But. That's probably what I'll be listening to. There's an interesting um, phrase on Twitter actually I saw after um, after the Racing defeat midweek, which I think summed up a lot of the um, the rivalry between uh, Independiente and, and Racing, even though the teams aren't doing particularly well. I can't for the life of me remember who it was. But it was it basically went along the lines of, yeah, this season Racing R- Racing fans uh, celebrate more uh, Independiente's woes and Independiente celebrate more Racing's woes. It's just like, yeah, the teams are living... Than their own successes. Yeah, the teams are essentially kind of living off themselves like some sort of reverse parasite, feeding off their misery and despair. So what's it going to be like next season when you're not in the same division? That's going to be fantastic, mate. <laughs> Absolute glory. We shall see. Yeah. Um, John, anything to add towards the end? Oh, shit, we forgot to plug your book. Well, I was going to say, can I... May I, I meant to do this during the Super Classical preview section. Uh, Mr. Richards has an e-book out, Hand of Pod is going up in the world. Is it we're, we're getting all literary. It's going to be out on Friday, I believe. Uh, I know nothing about it, apart from the fact that I saw you exchanging uh, something on Twitter about it like a week and a half ago with someone. So, Joel, tell us about it, please. Um... Well, thank you very much. Hopefully, if you're listening to this, you'll be interested in, in this project, which I've been working on just for the last couple of months. You can't get interested people here in the pod, then. You've no chance. Mate. We're struggling. We're struggling. <laughs> um, it is a 10,000 words, so it's a short e-book, um, published only only online, obviously, as the e-book in, in implies. Um, by, it's by the publishers in Scotland who did uh, Graham Hunter's book on Barcelona and a, couple of, a book on... Champ Manager and, and a few other bits and bobs. So it's a very small outfit. Um, they've started up a new series called 90 Minutes. So there, there are others to do with boxing and cycling coming out. But the first one is on the Super Classico, which I've written. Um, it's essentially trying to just an overview in in a short but extended uh, long-form piece of, of what the Super Classico is. So why the rivalry, what it's like to go to a game, um, some of the main stories... Um, why you know some of the big uh, the rivalries, the, the main players in, in some of the, the key games? At all, or? It's all the history there, you know. So it says why why Boca uh, the Bosteros or why the Bombonera, why um, why River Plate moved from from Boca, um, Maradona Riquelme in there. There's there's a couple of interviews about uh, the most uh, the, the the most uh, reckless challenge, let's say, yeah. in a. In, in a Super Classico, which was to do with a player who, Oscar Ruggeri, left Boca to move straight to River Plate. So, so all these ideas of, uh, of, um, of what builds up this rivalry and what makes it the, the, such a, an attractive game 
for its history because, because it also for, talks about a place for Vaselina and Rojas uh, Rojas didn't make it he didn't make That's it but um, all of that jam packed into 10,000 words I'm impressed well this is the thing so it does it, the idea is that it gives you an overview and that it, 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 yeah. it's an introduction very much for people who want to know sort of um, what the key themes are and what, what people are, are getting excited about so um, it's coming out uh, on Friday um, which is what the 3rd of May um, I'll obviously be tweeting it um, it's out via 90 minutes um, and it said it's 2.99 download only Pretty cheap, really, for what hopefully is um, an interesting read. So, what's what's the title? Super Classical. That's very original. <laughs> and if anybody's not on Twitter, what website will they be able to get it on? It's available. It's available on Amazon. Okay. And it's available via Backpage.co.uk, which mm-hmm. are the the publishers, but the branch is called branch of the of the publishing arm is is ninety minutes. Um, so as I said, Amazon two ninety nine. Um, you're laughing, really. It's not even. Laugh. It's less than the price of a pint. Come um, on. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, at this stage, we would remind you that you get Hunter Pop for free every week and have been for the last two and a half years. So, if you want to pay three quid uh, to Mr. Richards, please do. And if you um, want to make us give us any donations as well, indeed. Right. And talking of donations, uh, we we've already mentioned in the past Mat- Matthias Silverstein's uh, donation, very generous donation of a couple of Fernet bottles. Uh, today's Hunter Pod was was powered by the first of, of several bottles donated to us uh, by uh, Dale Seymour, a Canadian lady who's been listening since the very first episode. Since she's been down here, she's been down to Argentina twice since we started recording. I've been lucky enough to meet up with her on both occasions. Um, and she gave us a very generous donation. So the next month and a half or so of Panda Pod is going to be powered by, by her donations. Uh, she gave us 50 US dollars. To Dale. So Dale, Dale. cheers. Thank you very much. Uh, if anybody else wants to donate to the Hand of Pop Fernet Fund or indeed to the Microphone Fund, we're still that's still open. Uh, you can PayPal your money to Sam at and then send me a quick email to the same address, just letting me know what you've done and what you'd like it to be spent on. Um, and for now, gentlemen, we'll see you next week to review the fallout from River Plate seven nil classico super classico win in La Bombonera um, from Newell's Old Boys finally collapsing and um, from Independiente doing god knows what next weekend um it's goodbye from english town goodbye and goodbye from joel richards goodbye and goodbye and i hope you've enjoyed this very short edition of had the pod from me goodbye <laughs>